Hello, friends. I hope you're enjoying your Saturday, and you're going to enjoy it a little bit more if you listen to this Stuff You Should Know Select episode from October 2015, How Pez Works. I love these pop culture episodes, everyone. Pez. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. There's guest producer Noel. And this is Stuff You Should Know. The Pez Edition. Nice. I like that. Another Noel cast as well. Yeah. Pretty exciting. It's part of the Noel stint. Sweet. The Noel stint, we're going to call it. Uh, do you like Pez? I like Pez. You like the candy? I do. You like the taste? I like the taste of Pez, yes. Describe to me your, what happens when you put a candy, Pez candy in your mouth. Well, I put a Pez candy, I pull the head back. Yeah, the kicker kicks it out. Pop, yes. Nice. You Lingo. Like uh-huh. uh, and I take it from the Pez dispenser with my tooth. Oh, you don't really? You'd like go mouth to mouth with it? Sure. Well, <laughs> tooth to tooth to kicker. Okay. Uh, and then I, um, yeah, what do you do? Use your hand? Well, I don't eat Pez, but back when I was eight, I would be delighted when I would pull the head back. The little candy would shoot out. No, you know, pick it out with my hand and put it in my mouth. Yeah, I use my teeth. Interesting. I would feel like I was like going in to, to make out with a Daffy Duck or something if I did that. Well, that's half the fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Daffy. Oh, boy. Anyway. Uh, I don't care then- for the candy, though. I wasn't done describing right. Pez. Go ahead, sorry. And then I uh, take it onto my tongue, right? And I start to savor the flavor of it. Okay. Typically, I prefer maybe, um, well, definitely one of the fruit flavors. I've never had a mint Pez or a chocolate Pez, which is new. Yeah. I would try the chocolate one. But say like orange, we'll just go with orange. Okay. I'm sitting there. I let it uh, sit on my tongue for all of like six nanoseconds, and then I start to bite into it. Yeah, you chew it. And it's very much like, um, here, this explains why I like Pez, especially orange Pez. Yeah. I once ate almost an entire bottle of orange-flavored baby aspirin for the taste. That's why I like Pez. How old were you then? Were you a kid? No, I was like 20-something. Uh, did it? Hurt? Yes, I was a kid. Okay. Well, did you? Well, did it hurt you? No, nothing happened to me. Did, we talked about that before. Is, I feel is like that, we have. Is that because they aren't even? It isn't even medicine. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> is it just a placebo? But how could you use a placebo on a little kid? I mean, I guess it'd work, but certainly there's an age where they're just like. I feel like half of parenting is probably placebo. Probably. Well, you would know now. Well, not yet. Well, let me know. She won't, She doesn't believe my lies yet. <laughs> That'll come later. Yeah, I mean, I'm sur- surely kids are pretty dumb, so you can get them to believe anything. Sure, but there seems like there would be an age where they wouldn't it, they wouldn't make that connection, and a placebo wouldn't work. I don't think a placebo would work, like say from birth. Yeah, and I don't remember what age you can start giving kids baby aspirin. It's yeah, baby aspirin, not even children aspirin. Yeah. Anyway, I like Pez. I like how it tastes. <laughs> I like the experience of eating a Pez. All right. I don't care for Pez. I also like the shape. Uh, the, the little brick? The brick. It, the, the, it helps with the taste. I saw uh, we did the L.A. Podcast Fest this last weekend, mm-hmm. and 
can't remember her name, but a very nice young lady brought us some uh, different candies and things. The Lego candies. Well, you jumped on that bag. I was like, you want these Lego brick candies? And you were like, yeah, give me. Second time, man. (laughs) I love those things. Yeah, and that's sort of this. I put those all in the same category, which is just like compressed sugar. Right. In in like a brick form. As a matter of fact, it turns out the uh, Pez company to this day uses about 50,000 pounds of sugar every four days making its Pez candies. That's right. And here's a factoid for you. All right. It takes 3,000 pounds of pressure to compress the Pez ingredients, which is not just sugar, into uh, the delightful, tiny, disgusting brick that you love. I don't think it's (laughs) disgusting. I I don't like candies. I, I have another one for you. Okay. They make 12 million tablets a day. At their Orange, uh, Connecticut facility, the headquarters of Pez. Yeah. And three billion Pez bricks are consumed in the U.S. alone each year by people like me who like Pez. Yes, roughly 12 at a time because that's how much the standard dispenser holds. And if this kind of thing floats your boat right now, go check out, um, How Stuff Works Brain Stuff series on YouTube uh-huh. and specifically look up the one on Pop Rocks that I did a year or two ago. It was really interesting stuff. Yeah. Candy manufacturing is fascinating. I don't care what you say. No, I like manufacturing processes. I just don't like to eat candy. I got you. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just go to the plant, watch it made, and then turn down the free samples. Like, no, thank you. I find that disgusting. Yeah, they're like, now would you like to try some? Mm, Nah. I don't do that on beer tours. I'll sample that. You mean I went to the Maker's Mark distillery? Oh, did you dip your own bottle? Yes. No. No. Yes. We definitely have one, but I don't remember if we... I guess we did dip it. Yeah, I think that's the thing. But it was like a mini. So maybe not. Maybe we bought a mini that was like just a mini to commemorate it, and they made you buy like a fifth or something and dip your own bottle, and we're like, meh. Gotcha. It's fine. Because we'd be like, we wouldn't want to open it. Yeah, we didn't dip our own bottle. I forgot. That was exactly the conversation (laughs) we had. Wow. You guys put a lot of thought into that one. Anyway, it's a pretty cool tour. To tell you the truth, I strongly recommend it. Yeah, I've never done a distillery. I'd like to do that. There's there's a new one here uh, in Atlanta, in Avondale. Oh, really? Yeah, whiskey distillery. Nice. Well, I can tell you, go on any whiskey tour, and you will find what uh, Mila Kunis is talking about with the Angel Share stuff. It's a real thing. Yeah? The evaporating whiskey fills the um, whatever the, the place where they're aging it in barrels and it's actually really dangerous. Like the place could blow up at sure. any time like because a flour it's like factory. This very much so, or a sugar factory, yeah. right? Um, but the smell is one of the most amazing smells I've ever experienced in my entire life. Like smell good or just weird? It, yeah, good. Oh wow! Great. Like the the half of a percent of whiskey that is just glorious. Mm-hmm. It's in the air. Right. It's amazing. <laughs> Oh, man, now I'm thirsty. All right, so let's talk Pez. Okay. Um, in 2011, this is something I didn't know. There was uh, a wedding. Well, I did know this part. Um, in the United Kingdom between a guy named William and a little lady named Kate. Weighty Katie. Do people call her that? Some some people did. What, like that she's overweight? No, no, that she waited around. Oh, okay. I was like, man, how mean can people get? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That would be even meaner. So uh, they made um, specialty Pez dispensers out of Prince William and Kate for that, and they were 
expensive, $13,360 at a charity auction. Clearly, that's the most expensive Pez dispenser ever sold. Not so, my friend. What? Uh, supposedly, that is the $32,000 in 2006 for an astronaut, limited edition astronaut themed. It was from the 1982 World's Fair, and there were two of them. Yeah. Two in existence. Yeah, that's why it's expensive. And what's neat is that that's, that um, was, that auction took place on eBay, which is very appropriate that Pez dispensers are sold on eBay because the guy who founded eBay, what's his name, Pierre? Um, Pierre Omadiar. Right. He um, founded eBay in part, or he was inspired to found eBay because his girlfriend at the time, I think his wife is his wife now, um, collected Pez. And he thought, hey, this would be a really great place. We may not have eBay today if it weren't for Pez. Pez dispensers. Isn't that crazy? Collecting Pez dispensers, which is a relatively new thing. It, it really took off in the 80s, late 80s, actually. It wasn't until the late 80s that people really started collecting Pez dispensers. And now Seinfeld. it's huge. Remember yeah. the Tweety Bird episode? I had to go back and look it up, but once I did, I, I started to remember. Yeah, I think uh, Elaine and Jerry and George were at a, George's girlfriend's piano recital. Mm-hmm. And Jerry put the Tweety Bird Pez dispenser on his lap or on Elaine's lap. Uh-huh. And Elaine started laughing, ruined the performance, and then she was later outed when she laughed again in front of that lady. Right. And then the Tweety Bird um, Pez dispenser also factored into the plot because Jerry and his friends had an intervention for another friend who had a drug problem. Oh, yeah. yeah and he yeah. was resisting, resisting, and then for some reason Jerry brought out the Pez dispenser and the wave of nostalgia that washed over this guy caused him to admit yeah. that he had a drug problem, but then he became hooked on Pez. Well, and nostalgia figures in a lot. Uh, it really does. Kids from the, well, kids of all ages grew up with Pez. Kids of all ages. What am I, a circus announcer? Yeah. <laughs> Step on up. What do they call I was going to say circus MC. A barker. Ringmaster, your circus barker. Well, there's two different, those are two different things, I think. Oh, really? Unless you're in like a, a low budget carnival, then it's maybe the same thing. Yeah, that's, I, I would be. But the, the barker's the one who's like, step on up, well, guess your weight. The people, he's yeah, trying yeah. to get people to come in. The ringmaster's the one who's like running the show once the show starts. I feel like I'd be the barker. Would you? And you'd be the ringmaster. You'd have to wear a straw <laughs> boater hat and like striped suit. Yeah, I'd be the barker, and you'd be the guy that, like, swings from uh, things with his teeth. <laughs> I do have strong teeth. As opposed to my brittle, weak teeth. <laughs> when I fell off, and there's just some of my teeth jammed into the trapeze bar still. Well, you like a Looney Tunes cartoon now. Yeah, but imagine it in reality. It's oh, even worse. It is. Uh, I feel like we should take a break <laughs> and regain our composure. Okay. All right, we'll be back right after this. Stuff you should know. Stuff you should All right, so we're back, and I think we should uh, start in the traditional way when we handle our pop culture casts and talk about history, because I thought it was a pretty interesting history, actually. Yeah, I'd, I'd love this article. Uh, Edward Haas III, mm-hmm. he was an Austrian, um, he, was, he made sweets, he was a confectioner, 
Well, his family was in the grocery business, and he he was successful in that. But yeah, he his heart was in candy, like yours. His heart was in candy. Uh-huh. It was also in hygiene. I get the impression that he was a very strong germaphobe. Well, it's probably good when you're running a candy factory. Yes, you know. He was also anti-smoking, and he decided right. he went to a, a chemist, a pharmacist, and said, "Hey, give me some really strong peppermint es- essence." And he used that with some sugar and made mints, basically a proto-altoid, um, and put them in little tins and marketed them as quitting smoking or smoking cessation aids, basically. If you're trying to quit you needed something to put in your mouth, just chew one of these uh, Pez mints. That's right. And he got the name Pez from the, the abbreviation, the German word for peppermint, which is uh, starts with three uh, consonants, which is always <laughs> fun. Come on, you took German. You know German. Well, I mean, I would just say uh, uh, Pfefferments. I would say Pfefferments. <laughs> I like that better. Uh, that sounds like the remix version. Uh, but it does start with two P's and an F. But uh, shorten that and take out letters from the beginning, middle, and end, and you get P-E-Z. So, uh, it, like you said, he said, you can either use this to try and quit smoking as a Sort of a early version of Nicorette gum. Right. Even though it had no nicotine in it. Yeah. That we know of. Or you can use it, <laughs> if you do smoke, to make your breath fresh. Because no one wants to smell you stinky smokers. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll wrap them up in like a little candy bar at first. Right. And that's how he sold them for like a year. Well, yes. Um, they were also sold in tins, right? And, and he invented Pez in 1927. Or that's when they first hit the market. Um, but again, I get the impression that he was a germaphobe and he didn't want everybody to put their grubby hands into the same Pez tin yeah. and touch the other ones that other people were putting in their mouths. And he probably imagined all the poop and bacteria and who knows what sure. on those people's hands, German sausage, touching his beloved Pez. Yeah. So he thought there has to be a better way to dispense Pez. We need some sort of, I don't know. Pez dispenser. <laughs> That's right. And so uh, there was an employee at his company, Oscar Uxa. And you know what Oscar Uxa does. He's a dispenser genius. Yeah. And he says, hey, how about this? Why don't we make a dispenser that looks like a cigarette lighter? Because this is for smoking cessation. Yeah. Right? And uh, I'll have a little contraption on here, that uh, kicker, that'll spit out one at a time. And he said, "That's genius. Right. Edward Haas kicked the Kleenex boxes off of his feet and stood up and hugged Oscar Uxa. Yeah, and by the way, they're selling them in tins again now in peppermint. Oh, yeah? With a little throwback, uh, retro-looking um, one of the Pez ladies. Pez girls. Yeah, the Pez girls. Right. Which were uh, supposedly like this very sexy thing to sell Pez. Did you see them? Yeah, they look like bellhops. Oh, yeah. They're basically drawn like pinup girls, except not nearly as racy. Um, and and they have little bellboy hats. Sure, a lot of them did. Um, and they went from the 40s, I think, all the way up until the early 80s. They used Pez girls to market Pez. You know what they reminded me of was um, back in the day when you would have, like, be at a club and a, and a woman would come around. Cigars, cigarettes. Yeah, they would have a little tray around, that was hung around their neck right. with cigars and cigarettes and mints and uh-huh. uh, who knows what else. Pez? I guess Pez. I guarantee you Pez was in there. You're probably right. 
So, um, so they were a hit among adults in Europe, big time. Yeah, they did. They did the trick. The yeah, they were already pretty popular, but the, when once they packaged them into these um, cigarette lighter dispensers, like they really cemented themselves as like iconic candy. People say, look, you just pop it open and the candy comes out and you put your teeth on it. <laughs> That's right. It's wonderful. It makes your monocle <laughs> pop off. So they went, they went nuts for the stuff. Uh, and then he said, you know what? Let me expand. Uh, the United States is where it's at. 1952. <laughs> uh, he found out that kids in America del- were delighted over this because I guess kids in America were like adults in Europe at the time. Um, and they'd love the, the way these things popped out. Plus, it probably made them feel a lot like they were smoking. You think? Probably. I never got the tie to the lighter. I, it, it was completely lost on me. So, well, you, like, flick a lighter. Well, no, I thumb. get it now, but I never had made that association until I knew this. Okay, so imagine a Pez dispenser without the head. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's what the original... I can imagine that because I used to take the heads off mine. Okay, all right. <laughs> but So that's the original Pez dispensers, which are called regulars now. Yeah. The first ones, before they started adding heads. They very much resembled like a nice slim lighter. So if you're a kid... Sure. Like this kind of thing, like there's a there's the manual thing where you're flicking a lighter, then there's the oral fixation that's satisfied by putting the mint into your mouth, and mm-hmm. it's mimicking smoking, which is one of the reasons why it was or one of the ways it was marketed. It, it, the idea was that it would it would alleviate that desire for those those Freudian fixations sure. that you had when you were a smoker if you were trying to quit. If you were a little kid and you wanted to smoke but you just couldn't get your hands on cigarettes yet. In other words, a a good way to do that. Didn't have arms, (laughs) right? In the fifties, yeah, probably. I saw candy cigarettes the other day in a store. By the way, I thought those were. I can't believe they make those. Yeah, I thought they were completely gone. Okay, if you want to know a candy that I think is abhorrent and disgusting, yeah, candy cigarettes, gum cigarettes are awesome. Do you remember those? The kind where you puff them. No, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, those are great. The candy cigarettes, they're just like sticks of candy that are disgusting. Oh, no, I'm talking about the gum that would blow out fake yeah. smoke. I love that They gum. still make those. But the gum cigars, I think, were gross. They, they had some weird chemical taste to them. I, didn't, I never saw those. They were not one and the same, which is surprising. And they still make those, and they still make Big League Chew. Yes. Like, it's, it's amazing that they can still, like, with good conscience, market tobacco products to children. Yeah. And that they're allowed to. I remember um, probably the greatest tasting gum of all time. Juicy fruit? Uh, Big red? No, no. All right. It was a Rambo gum that was sold to commemorate Rambo 3. Tastes like sweat. <laughs> yeah, no, it had like a, a, it was marketed as like black raspberry or something like uh. that. But it didn't taste like that at all. It had, I've never tasted anything like it. You know, usually like you run into a taste years later, like there's uh-huh. only 10 tastes or 10 cents, you know? Uh-huh. Um, this was, I've never experienced it before or after, and it was the best tasting gum ever. But it was in the Big League <laughs> Chew pouch. Wow. And it was Big League Chew shred. So clearly it was made by the same company for the makers of Rambo. But the flavor they used was perfect. It was man. like sweat and gunpowder. And you could get it for like one summer. What, uh, did it have a cartoon version of, of Stallone on it? No, it was a photo of him with like the very the famous M60. rocket launcher. Oh, okay. The rocket launcher. Yeah. From Rambo 3. Um, and uh, it was just a picture of it on the Big League Chew pouch. Wow. Yeah. And it, I loved it. I guess they had to market it that way because first blood gum didn't go over so well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Tastes just like blood. 
Uh, man, I'm learning all kinds of things. Well, hold on, hold on. We're getting ahead of ourselves. All right. Or no, we're getting super distracted. That's what it is. In the 50s, kids, very surprisingly, liked Pez. But they were like, this is pretty strong mint. And I'm a little kid. Sure. I like fruity flavored stuff. Yeah, I like the dispenser, but gonna get your game going with the candy. Exactly. And, and Haas and company listened big time. So they, they kept mint Pez still, but they started releasing lines of, uh, of fruit flavored ones yeah. and cola they had one called chlorophyll yeah coffee flavored a yogurt one that probably was just european what is the chlorophyll i couldn't get a, a read on what that was like um and i looked i, I think it's like a um it's a mint it's a definite okay. mint flavor um did they just use the wrong word <laughs> there's another there's a gum out there that has a similar sounding name yeah. it's just like a, a very bright like mint not peppermint. It's not as sweet. It's mintier. Okay. Um, but yeah, chlorophyll. It's interesting. Right. But they had other stuff too, like orange and I think cherry maybe, something like that. Sure. Traditional flavors. Yeah. But not peach. There's uh, a fun trivia fact for you. They have had peach flavors, but it was never released in the U.S. Yeah. I'm a weirdo. I don't like peach flavors or peaches. So since they realized that kids are going bonkers for this candy, um, which bonkers, that was another good candy too. I don't know what that is. It came out in the 80s. It was great. Okay. Um, they they decided to try to make Pez a little more parent-friendly. Because even back in the 50s, I think parents were like, I don't want you teaching my kid to smoke with this candy. Right. So they said, well, let's change it from a cigarette lighter into something different, a toy. And we'll add like a, a beloved cartoon character on there. How about that? And it, parents it was, said, that's fine with me. It was genius. Yeah. Because what he did was he combined candy with a toy, uh, and not only a toy, but a collectible. Mm-hmm. And it was it was genius. For kids, it was all they needed. Um, they were pretty cheap. Yeah. And so kids could buy them. They could like go around and probably find enough money on the ground in a given day to go buy a little Pez dispenser. Right. Or build like a... a like a soapbox racer and sell it to the rich kid in the neighborhood and yeah. buy a bunch of Pez. Did you just eat Fun Dip? Yeah. I, that's another thing, too. I didn't like the the stick that yeah. you had to lick, but the the sugar was just great. So the, the sugar stick that you dipped into the sugar? Uh-huh. <laughs> the sugar stick didn't have enough flavor for me. Yeah. it just. <laughs> I was thinking about Fun Dip the other day when I was driving for some reason, and it was just remarkable to me that they would... Is make a sugar stick that you dip in different flavors of sugar, right. and you would then eat the sugar off the stick, and then eat the sugar stick. Right. Well, they, they didn't even try back then. Like, sh- that's like, like that's smacks used to be called sugar smacks. Yeah. And then they changed it to honey smacks, and they're like, oh, let's just go with smacks. Oh, is it just called smacks? Now? I believe so. It's not sugar smacks. No, it hasn't been sugar smacks for years. I don't eat much cereal. Like they they would get chased out of the grocery aisle whenever they tried to restock that if they still called it sugar smacks. Just don't mess with Captain Crunch peanut butter. That's all I gotta say. Captain Crunch has one out now. I saw on the cereal aisle the other day. It's sprinkled donuts, Captain Crunch, and it looks awesome. Yeah, I just the peanut butter is so good, even though it, it tears up the roof of your mouth. It's worth it. But that's a fatal flaw, don't you think? Not to me. I'll I'll get a box of that. Like every three or four years, I'll get a box of that. Like when Emily's out of town, <laughs> it's dinner time. Because if she would come home and see that, she'd be like. What are you doing yeah. with this in our house? Yeah. Are you a child? Yeah. So I have to save those moments. All right. So it's 1970. Um, uh, Haas is super rich because he's selling tons and tons of these dispensers. Mm-hmm. He sells the company. 
and uh, they move. Well, the manufacturing of the the dispensers is actually now in China and Hungary, and like um, Slovenia, I think too, just Central Europe and and now Asia China. as well. Uh, but the actual candies are and have been for a very long time made. I believe you already said at a plant in Orange, Connecticut. Yep, um, and they they kept it going. Pez was always a privately owned company. I don't think it's ever been public. No. Um, but they, they, they kept the whole thing going even after Haas departed. And that was helped, uh, very much by this, this, um, explosion in collecting that came from the late, the mid, mid eighties, I would say. And as a result, um, Pez itself added feet to the dispenser so that they could be displayed from that point on. And they yeah. realized like, Oh wait, people are collecting these. There's like a secondary market that's generated. So let's feed the addiction. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so they added feet to it. So now a Pez dispenser can stand up, but that was introduced in 1987. So if you see feet on your Pez dispenser, you know that it's at least, uh, 1987 on. All right. So let's take another quick break here and, uh, we will come back and talk a little bit more about the odd collecting of Pez dispensers. So, Chuck, people started collecting Pez dispensers partly because they came of age uh, at a time about the mid-80s when they were high on cocaine and had a lot of <laughs> disposable income yeah. and were nostalgic for their childhoods. Yeah, I have a, a theory, and it's not like I'm sure everyone knows this, mm-hmm. but uh, I think Pez dispensers became collectible because you couldn't throw, them, throw it away. Like, you would eat the candy... And what are you going to do as a kid? You can be like, hey, let me throw away this Garfield toy now. Well, not only that, you can like, reload no, you it. put it on your chef. Right. Your chef? Your, your chef. <laughs> You're like, stand still, chef. Stop making that stew. Weird. So I can put this pesticide dispenser on your head. <laughs> the bouillabaisse can wait. <laughs> um, but the, well, the whole thing is, is they're reloadable. Like the, yeah. the, you get the little, uh, the little packet of 12, pop it in there. And you want more. Like if it's, uh, it's one of those same deals, like collect all four. Right. But this is not all four. This is constantly new licensing deals being cooked up. Yeah. Everything from Looney Tunes to Star Wars to Hello Kitty. Yeah. Uh, which was the other stroke of genius was partnering up with these, uh, iconic brands. Right. And cultural icons. Yeah. To, uh, to say, hey, a Chewbacca head on this thing. Like, they're grown adults that'll buy that. Right. The thing is, is Lucasfilm, uh, definitely charges a pretty penny, or did before they sold to Disney, and now it's even more, I'm sure, yeah. to license anything from Star Wars, right? Sure. So, Pez also very frequently came up with their own stuff as well. Uh, there were the Pez Pals. There was a very famous misstep called Make a Face Pez, <laughs> which is like a tiny Mr. Potato Head where you could put on different eyes and mouth and stuff. But, of course, those things were a major choking hazard. Yeah, that's what I thought to say. And actually, there's a lore among Pez collectors who are called Pez Heads that if you look at some of the 1972-1973 uh, Indian chiefs that were released, their headdresses... Um, are marbled. They have marbled color. Oh, wow. And they're saying that those are ground up make-a-face um, dispensers that they reused 
in the headdresses. That sounds like a Pez enthusiast conspiracy theory to but me. But it's pretty cool, isn't it? <laughs> that is pretty cool. Um, another one that they released was a series for the Bicentennial that includes the funniest character of all time, in my opinion. The um, colonial soldier with a head wound. Okay, I thought you were going to say the Paul Revere. That's I think there is a funny. Paul Revere. No, there is, which is I thought would be a pretty weird one. There's a Paul Revere, Daniel Boone, who looks like he has like a um, a well-formed beehive on his head rather than a yeah. coonskin cap. There's an Uncle Sam. Yeah, there's a Betsy Ross. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the wound, the head wound soldier. Yeah, He's got course. like that white gauze <laughs> on his head with a little blood dot yeah. coming through. And he looks just kind of out of it. It's well, a really sure. weird Pez dispenser. That one's probably my favorite. Although I like a lot of the, the um, Halloween-themed ones from the 70s. Yeah, some of those glow in the dark, which is pretty neat. Like Mr. Skull, did you see him? Yeah. Or Dr. Skull, I think. I think he's probably my favorite. Or the pumpkin from the 70s on the green stem is probably the best Pez dispenser of all time. Well, there have been four hundred, more than 450 dispensers since 1955, including uh, three different Santas. And the Santa is uh, the best-selling of all time. Which makes sense, of course. Yeah, uh, especially the first one, because he was his the dispenser wasn't just a a little Pez dispenser; it was like the whole body. Sure, but then they're like, "This is way too expensive." Yeah, they're like, "I bet you people would just buy it with the head." Yeah, and they did. Uh, the Salvador Dali uh, tribute—I don't know if it's a tribute. I bet it was—is um, my favorite in 1968. The uh-huh. psychedelic hand. Uh, it was a hand with a green eyeball, and it's just very cool looking. Yeah. Like I would, I would want one of those. Of course, I wouldn't pay thousands of dollars for it. No, I'd like to just find one on the street. It is pretty neat, though. Yeah. Do, do, do all of them cost that much? Oh, what that specific collectible? Uh huh. No, but I mean, I would say they range in, in the hundreds and yeah. thousands. If I it's see really that. rare. But what was interesting about this? Um, I think Patrick Kiger pointed out, like it's it, compared to a lot of other collecting hobbies. This is. Pez dispensers are relatively cheap. Yeah, not too bad. You can get into them pretty easily with, you know, a minimal amount of money. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite Pez dispensers is the Pez gun series. Oh, really? First it was a ray gun, and then they made it into a, a handgun. Sure. And then when Star Wars came out in, like, 1980, they released a, another space gun that looked an awful lot like Han Solo's gun. Yeah. But it wasn't really, a, a so don't sue them. Yeah. Um, but you, the a kid would put the gun in his mouth and pull the trigger to dispense the candy. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Unbelievable. They have had some uh, kind of weird ones over the years, like the airline pilot and stewardess, which, uh, I don't know. Is that a big seller? I, I don't know. Well, this is back in the day, I think, when they were... They were revered figures in culture. Yeah, the pilots weren't drunks, and the, uh, <laughs> the flight attendants weren't flight attendants. They were stewardesses. Right. And they wore, you know, fancy clothes. and. Uh, but they have, like, hard, chiseled features. They look like... Yeah, they look like real people. They look like pilots and flight attendants from the Mother Road during the Depression or something, you know? Yeah. Like, really chiseled features. And actually, apparently, uh, the Pez company says that they very infrequently do real-life humans. The, those Those... Bicentennial figures yeah. were the first humans they ever did, or real-life humans, I should say. And they didn't even do fictitious ones very often, like a, a stewardess or the pilot, um, because they just found that the human face wasn't nearly as interesting as, say, like a bubble man. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, in 2006, they issued the first ever 
Pez dispensers of living humans mm. when they decided to pay tribute to the fellows from Orange County Chopper. It makes me so sad. That goes down in history. It's the worst one ever. But I mean, those were the first guys to ever have living. No, the trust first... me. No, no. Why? Why? I don't know. Like a licensing deal. And it opened the floodgates after that. After that, it was on. There's like a Kiss Collector set. Well, of course, because Gene Simmons, yeah. he'll put his face on anything. Um, there was, what else? Well, people get turned down a lot. Um, you sent that <laughs> other little fact sheet. Kim Kardashian wanted a Pez dispenser. Yeah. Um, they said no. Yeah, they, they turn down people all the time because apparently everybody wants one. I would suggest just go make your own bobblehead because you can get that done. It's not the same. Well, you could just put candy in your bobblehead. <laughs> <laughs> there are newsletters. There's a uh, Pez Collector's News. There are conventions. And there is even a museum that uh, a husband and wife started in yeah. California uh, that started out, weirdly, as a museum for computers and Pez dispensers. Uh, I No, I think they were a computer sales company. Oh, I thought they displayed like vintage computers. No, I think they, yeah, it was a computer dealer. And they um, they were selling computers and just to kind of make the place look a little more interesting, they also displayed Pez dispensers oh, in between. Okay. Gotcha. And they found that people were way more interested in coming to see the Pez dispensers and weren't buying computers. So they transitioned over to a straight up Pez museum, the Pez um, or the Museum of Pez Memorabilia in Burlingame, California. Yeah, and uh, you can pay some money to go in there and look at all their rare and vintage Pez dispensers. Uh, they have one. You paid three grand for uh, the pineapple-wearing sunglasses because it, from it was, the early seventies, I think. Yeah, it's nothing special to look at, but again, it's rarity. They yeah. didn't make many of them because it was ugly. I think right. probably. Yeah, I thought it was kind of cute. Did you? Mm-hmm. Did you like the California raisins? Yes. Okay. There yeah. you go. <laughs> that explains it. Have you seen Straight Out of Compton? Uh, no, not yet. Is it good? Oh, you haven't seen that yet. I haven't been to any movies. You yet. should. The California raisins appear uh, by mention. Wow. They're mentioned in a surprising way. I look forward to seeing that on yeah. television. Um, oh, you should go see it, man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll go see it in the movie theater. What else? Uh, they tried vitamins for a little while. Yeah, I didn't think that was a bad idea. Uh, put a little vitamin C in there. Mm-hmm. Parents might be more willing to throw up some money mm-hmm. for the for the kid, but um, they said no. We're not in the vitamin business. Let's just stick to the sugary pressed candy. No, and and the guy who said that was a guy named Scott McWinney. Scott McWinney was president. He started out, I think, at General Mills or something or General Foods, and um, he moved his way over to Pez in. The 90s or the 80s? No, the 80s, because that quote was from 1984. He was president of Pez for a little while. And he, um, much to his chagrin, got into a um, a war, basically, an economic war with the guy who is known as the Pez outlaw. Yeah, you dug this up. This is really interesting. Uh, the article, what was it called? It was a terrible title, like Michigan Farmer Makes $4 Million in Pez Dispensers in Three Years or something. It's yeah. a terrible title. It should have been called The Pez Outlaw. Yeah, but it was in Playboy, and it was pretty good long-form reporting. Yeah, basically what happened was in uh, the 90s, a dude uh, named Steve Glew, G-L-E-W, found out that, hey, over in Canada, they're selling different dispensers that you can't get here in the United States. So let me go over there, let me buy some of these and resell them to collectors. And it worked. 
And all of a sudden, the light bulb went off, and he said, I think I can actually make money getting Pez dispensers from other countries. Yeah. And he found a hookup, that mysterious woman who approached him. Yeah. From uh, the Eastern Bloc, wherever she was from. Yeah, and he ended up, he and his son Joshua um, started making trips to Central Europe, um, oftentimes right along the border of, like, war-torn Croatia, and found these factories where Pez was being made and found very bribable factory workers who would take, like, molds and make um, new Pez dispensers to his liking, and then he would sell them as, like, basically, like, Pez freaks or or one-offs or something, and for hundreds and hundreds of dollars, but he would spend a quarter or maybe a dollar on each. Crazy. And he supposedly made quite a bit of money. Yeah, he claims four million. Yeah. I believe it. For, if they made the number of trips that they were making, I think that he did. His downfall was that he overextended himself. He took out a massive loan <laughs> and uh, basically hired a factory to make a bunch of misfit Pez dispensers. Yeah. And greed was his downfall. And Mark McWinnie took him on. Yeah. And started releasing basically Pez's own version of these counterfeit weirdo dispensers at a lower price and drove the dude out of business. This could be a little documentary. Easy. You know? Easy. Also, that reminds me, have you ever seen the Jelly Belly documentary? No. Oh, it's so sad, but it's so good. What's it called? I don't remember. Just look up Jelly Belly documentary and Weird Al's in it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, then I definitely won't see it. <laughs> no, you really should, man. It's a great documentary. It's, it's just, it's very sad. And that one and the Showbiz Pizza one. Documentary? great, too, yeah. I used to love Showbiz. You'll love this documentary. I like Showbiz more than Chuck E. Cheese, even. There's a huge backstory to it that you were unaware of. Ooh. Uh, can I read you this one excerpt? Yeah. This is from the story about the Pez uh, outlaw. Uh, a 1993 toy convention changed Steve's life forever. As he tells it, a mysterious woman opened her jacket and showed him a silver glow Pez, a holy grail for Pez collectors. She whispered to him in broken English, There are many more where I come from. (laughs) That's so great. Yeah, it is. Can you believe that? Yeah. And then she, I get the feeling she was like, two guys in overcoats and sunglasses came and like right. hurried her away. Yeah. He said, but, but what's your name? Her two Cenobites came out of the woodwork <laughs> and like pulled her down to hell. Ivanka. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty good article. Look up stupid title, Michigan farmer, Pez playboy, and it'll bring it up. I think long form had it at one point. Speaking of Ivanka, oh, should I talk about Donald Trump? Probably not. Nah. All right. Um, I was surprised when I found out I found mention of like Pez dispensers being nostalgic. I was like, mm, definitely not for me. Then I went to Pez.com and clicked on Collector's and you Corner. Just giggled for the rest of the and day. And they have well, they have pictures of like every every yeah. single one they've released over the years, year by year. And I definitely felt nostalgic. And I don't even think of Pez as factoring in largely into my childhood at all. Same here. But I I, I was a little nostalgic looking yeah. at these. It's cute. So go to Pez.com and check out the collector's corner, and I think you will waste a lot of time there. Agreed. Uh, and I think that's it, because Chuck just grabbed the listener mail email, which is usually a signal for me to <laughs> shut up, because he's mean to me after the mics aren't recording any longer. <laughs> oh, please. Uh, and if you want to know more about Pez, type that word in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And uh, it's time for listener mail. I'm going to call this, you guys are right, Screw College. Remember when we 
had a little soapbox moment. Was this from the animator? Yeah. Yeah. I thought this was good. Hey, guys, I wanted to shoot you a quick email to thank you for mentioning the idea that you don't need to go to college for some professions uh, on the How Publicist Works episode. It really struck a chord with me. I'm an animator, and I desperately wish uh, it would be treated as a trade, which it is, and not as a high art form that requires a fancy $100,000 degree. Uh, most of what I learned, I actually learned on the job, got almost nothing from my college classes. While the contacts I made in college were very valuable down the road, and nothing is quite as nice as moving out and being on your own in art school, it came with a hefty price. It is now 10 years later. I've been working steadily this whole time, and I'm still paying off my college student loans, and I make a good amount of money. That's just sad, and I know so many people were in the same position without, uh, but without steady work. Uh, and she says that she worked at Adult Swim for a while, too, by the way. Oh, yeah, nice. Uh, there's a stigma about not going to college, and I think it's part of the reason so many people are being crushed by student loan debt now. It's a very American stigma, too. It's not like that all around the world. I know. Stupid Americans. <laughs> uh, I think there's probably a lot of these kinds of jobs that don't need college degrees out there, like podcaster. And it might be cool to hear a podcast on that uh, sometime. I'm not sure what you call it. Maybe how not going to college but landing a nice job and making a living anyway and sticking it to your parents' works. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, maybe just do one on student loans or something. Anyway, thanks for keeping me company while I animate. Keep it up. You guys are top-notch. And that is Margie. Thanks, Margie. That was a great email. Agreed. We appreciate that. And that's did, not to devalue de- college altogether. Sometimes it's very useful. Yeah, yeah. It's just not the end-all, be-all for everyone on the planet to have to go to college. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, it's true. And I think that there hopefully is a a large awakening going on. Yeah. Because a a lot of people say that the current bubble, if you're looking around for the next bubble, student loans. Yep. Uh, Yeah, we should do something about that sometime. Let's do it. And actually, Margie gave us her um, the URL for her blog. It's M-A-R-J-I-B-O-R-D-N-E-R dot blogspot dot com. So I imagine you can go check out her stuff there. Wouldn't you think? Yes, sir. Nice. So uh, if you want to get in touch with Chuck or me or both of us or even Noel, um, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com. You can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.